title is Census and Duties. We will see here in Numbers chapter 3 refers back to a time in Exodus chapter 28 and 29 where the Lord's revelation to Moses there on Mount Sinai. We saw here where we're at in a time frame for the nation of Israel. It's probably been about two years and two months since they have been brought out of the uh, land of Egypt and into their wilderness experience. Now we looked at the census of the nation of Israel last week in chapter 2. And we looked at also uh, on how the camp is to be set up and focused on the presence of God in the center of the camp. And so everyone was aligned according to God's way and there wasn't a very specific way uh, other than the, the tabernacle was placed in the middle of where God's pillar or the the, the cloud or the pillar of fire but a cloud just saying this is where you're going to put uh, this is where my presence is going to stay and then they put the tabernacle up and then the Levites and the priests put their tents around it and then the outer layer was three by three on each side northwest east and south and there were three tribes on each side that circled around the outside of that tonight we'll see a little bit more of that but more of the actual duties of the priests and levites that are going to be outlined here in numbers chapter 3 and the very first one is the it, god's going to talk about here is the family or the family of Aaron the priests who had their full responsibility of doing the priestly roles and responsibilities within the tabernacle and that is to uh that we will see laid out here. Then we will see the Levites, which was the tribe set aside, if you remember, in the nation of Israel having the census of of those men who would go to war as they go into the promised land in an orderly and organized fashion. We will, Levites were not counted for war. We will see a different census here in accounting uh, of the Levites for the purpose of service and the service of God in helping Aaron and his sons, who were the priests, during, uh, during this period of time. In Numbers chapter 3, verse 1 through 5, we see, Now these are the records of Aaron and Moses when the Lord spoke with Moses on Mount Sinai. And these are the names of the sons of Aaron, uh, Nadab, the firstborn, Abihu, Eleazar, and Ithamar. These are the names of the sons of Aaron. The, appoint, the anointed priests, notice that. It was an anointing. It was a, that was God's anointing that there to be the priests, anointing priests, whom he consecrated to minister as priests. There was a calling on their lives. Nadab and Abihu had died before the Lord when they offered profane fire before the Lord in the wilderness of Sinai. And they had no children. So Eleazar and Ithamar, the two younger brothers there, ministered as priests in the presence of Aaron, their father, and the Lord spoke to Moses, saying. So here we find 
what was ideal was Aaron was going to be the high priest, the dad. Then they had four sons in order of the firstborn down through was in order. So his dad died, the next oldest, the first, firstborn should have taken over, Nadab, and then followed, of course, by uh, Abihu. But these two guys decided as young men think they were something else because they belong to the high priest, the priestly line. We must be special and we can do whatever we want to do. Uh, no, you can't just do whatever you want to do, especially if God has a calling and there's an order in their organization. You just can't just do whatever you feel like doing. And here, these two guys, the two oldest children of Aaron and the two ranking priests behind Aaron, yet they were struck down by, by the Lord for offering profane fire before the Lord. And we, we studied that in Leviticus chapter 10, verses 1 through 7. Eleazar and Ithamar was the next in line. That means they were to inherit the priesthood and pass it down to their sons after them. Now the sons of Aaron, anointed priests, again, whom he consecrated to minister as priests, as we see. And it is important for us to understand and to realize that priests were only one small family among the Levites. It's just one of the sons of the Levite tribe. So always remember that. And to be in that one son, that Aaron's lineage was the one to be the priest, and the rest were Levites of that tribe, were not the same thing at all. Only those who were descendants of Aaron could be priests. This meant it was impossible for them to attend all the Israel's religious needs by themselves. They weren't that many <laughs> priests to do all the work to do what needs to be done. So God put in order for them to be uh, the rest of the tribe of the Levites to assist or help Aaron and the sons, the priests, to do what needs to be done. Now, in Numbers chapter 3, verses 6 through 10, we see the Levites and their roles in relation to Aaron. It says, Bring the tribe of Levi near and present them before Aaron the priest, that they may serve him, and they shall attend to his needs and the needs of the whole congregation before the tabernacle of meeting. To do the work of the tabernacle, also they shall attend to all the furnishings of the tabernacle of meeting and the needs of the children of Israel and pass out the Levi genes to everyone. But no, it doesn't say that. But to work the tabernacle and you shall give the Levites to Aaron and his sons and they are given entirely to him from among the children of Israel. So you shall appoint Aaron and his sons, and they shall attend to their priesthood. But the outsider who comes near shall be put to death. So again, God was not messing around here. You may all have wearing the, jokingly, the Levi jeans of that tribe. And everyone's going to wear those Levi jeans, and everyone's appointed and knows that you're from that tribe. But that doesn't mean you get to be the priest. They had, it must be a special brand of Levi's or something. But they had the priestly gown and the getup to be able to go do the work inside the tabernacle. And even the Levites who support them could not just go touch the tabernacle. There was an order. There was a purpose and a plan. And we will see that especially in the next chapter, chapter 4, if I remember correctly, in regards to how they pack things up and everything and how the priests had to do certain things to protect and couldn't see, you know. We'll get into that more detail later. 
But the but he was to bring the tribe of Levi near and present them before Aaron the priest that they may serve him. They understood they were to serve the brother of that Levi tribe, of, that's Aaron. The entire tribe of Levi was given to service in the needs of Aaron and the priests because the need of the congregation was so large they had to have the full tribe to help them do that and the needs of the tabernacle itself when we start looking at this you will see everyone had a role and responsibilities of what they were to pick up and what to carry and what to set back up once they got back got to the next campsite in regards to the entire uh, folding up and unfolding of the tabernacle there in the wilderness and they shall attend his needs that means Aaron was in charge there was a leader, one leader. This wasn't a Levi tribe decision and let's find consensus and let's have committees and we'll have a committee for the furnishings and a committee for the curtains and a committee for the utensils. No, there was no committees. They were there to serve Aaron, the high priest who was in charge. Who put him in charge? God put him in charge. <laughs> I don't know if he even, even wanted to be in charge, but he was in charge. It was an anointing. It was a calling. And he and his sons, those assisting priests, were to be in line. They were to support them. But ultimately, Aaron was in charge of this matter. God had an order and an organization, as we learned last week. And the Levites were under the direction of Aaron, and they were to... Do, they weren't to do their own thing whenever they wanted to do it, but by Aaron's thing, that's what they were supposed to do. Nothing in the holy things of God was left to chance or impromptus or in, uh, in provisions in regards to the order and the organization of how God wanted things to be done and by whom they were to be done. And none of the sacred persons who ministered in his presence was to be unprepared or untaught how to do what they're supposed to do. They were supposed to be trained up. They knew their roles and responsibilities and they needed to be faithful with that because it depended, that rippling effect had effect of everyone in the whole tribe and all the other tribes because the other tribes were relying upon the, the tribe of Levites who were around to take and pick and move that tabernacle and they won't move unless they were moving first. But they were to do the work of the tabernacle. In some ways, being a priest was far more visible and perhaps glamorous or noteworthy of, look, these are the priests, uh, than being just a Levite. But the service of the Levites made the work of the priests possible. If they didn't have the Levites to support them, the priests wouldn't be able to do what God's called them to do. And that's why he, God assigned people to surround the priest, Aaron, to be able to free him to be able to minister to the people and do the work within the tabernacle of the daily sacrifices and the daily sprinkling of the blood and, and, and representing the people in front of God. The outsider who comes near, we see a warning that uh, Levi grew jealous and they felt like, why, we're a Levite too, you know, and they're just a Levite, but I don't know why they get to do it and, and why we can't do it. And, 
and all those things that can possibly go into people's heads uh, in in and uh, even happens today. People get in their heads that they think they they should be able to have this position as the pastor, and and uh, and and that's because I think I'm better than they are, and and smarter than they are, and and it's the same thing a Levite can be as well. They think they could possibly decide to go do the work of a priest, and think they can just do it on their own strength and their own wisdom, and it was strictly prohibited. And it was an offense to God's order and organization, and they would die if they went in to try touching it and doing it. They just were not going to make it. In Numbers 3, verses 11 through 13, we see the Levites uh, are, have a kind of a, a special you know, position or a, a special moment here to God or a position or a proposition here I should say that the Lord spoke to Moses saying now behold I myself have taken the Levites from among the children of Israel instead of every firstborn who opens the womb among the children of Israel therefore the Levites shall be mine because of all the firstborn are mine on the day that I struck all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, I sanctified to myself all the firstborn in Israel, both man and beast, and they shall be mine. I am the Lord. Why can he do this? Because I am the Lord. Why does he direct certain things and you wonder why God did this? Because I am the Lord. I mean, we've got to remember the simplicity of things. And it really brings clarity many times why we go, why did this happen? Because I am the Lord. We have to remember that he has a plan. And so he says, I myself have taken the Levites among the people of Israel instead of every, uh, instead of every firstborn. So the firstborn belonged to God. The firstborn lamb, the firstborn ewe, the, uh, it would be given to the Lord. God didn't want human sacrifice. So he took the tribe of Levi as Israel's firstborn to serve God in the tabernacle. So he took the whole tribe. He didn't want human sacrifice. He Again, he, he, he used lambs and, and ewes and as the being the sacrifice, but he used the people to serve God's people. Now we get to verses 14 through 20. We see now the census that's going to take place for the purpose of counting the number of males um, to ultimately being serving God in the tabernacle. And you see it here. There's a commandment. This was one that's not something they didn't want to... I refuse to be numbered. Well, you don't get a choice here. The God said, you need number the tribe of Levi. It says, Then the Lord spoke to Moses in the wilderness of Sinai, saying, Number the children of Levi by their father's houses, by their families, and you shall number every male from a month old and above. So Moses numbered them according to the word of the Lord as he was commanded. These were the sons of Levi by their names, Gershon, uh, Kohath, Merari. And these are the names of the sons of Gershon by their families, Libni and Shimei. Um, and the sons of Kohath by their families was Amram, uh, Ezahar, Hebron, Uzel, the sons of Merari by their families, 
Uh, these are interesting names. Would you like to name your sons like this? Uh, Malai and Mushi. How you like Mushai or Mushi to, as a name for your son? That would be a great, you know, right, right, you know, being growing up as a young man. What's your name? Mushai. Uh, these are the families of the Levites by their families, fathers' houses. These names are important because God gave them our, the names because these were the men who were going to raise families up to continue to serve God's people. The number of the children of Levi, though they were not counted among the soldiers in the other tribes counting for, the, for purposes of going to, um, to war, this count started at one month old and above. Not 20 and above, but one month old and above. And the census is, again, not for war, obviously, but numbered in preparation for their order of encampment and service. So there has to be an understanding of how many people are going to be serving. There is a projection at one month. <laughs> one month old. Okay, this little boy is going to be getting older in the next 10 years and you know, train them up now when they're young because they're going to be learning how to tear down the tabernacle and putting it back up and when we move encampments and, and putting back in place. There was no question. I don't know why one month. Why not at least the age accountability kind of a thing to help us out understanding that. Maybe you know, those in hit puberty and above all get counted. One month and above, that's, there was a purpose and a reason for that. But they were to be categorized by the families with the main groupings according to the Levi's three sons. Now in verses 21 through 26, we see the, not only the census, the count, but also the duties of each of those three sons and their families. For Gershon came the family of the Libanites and the family of the Shemites. These were the families of the Gershonites. Those who were numbered according to the number of all the males from one month old and above. And of those who were numbered there were 7,500. The families of the Gershonites were to camp behind the tabernacle on the westward westward side of the tabernacle there. And the leader of the father's house of the Gershonites was Elisaph, the son of Lael. The duties of the children of Gershon in the tabernacle of meeting included the tabernacle, the tent with its coverings, the screen for the door of the tabernacle of meeting, the screen of the door of the court, the hangings of the court which are around the tabernacle and the altar, and their cords according to all the work relating to them. So 7,500 are named under the uh, Gershonites. They were camped on the westward side of the tabernacle between Judah and the tabernacle itself. So that places you where there are and what the other tribes, Judah being the first one, and then outward from that, were right in line with them. And that means Judah was watching very carefully of this family and what was going on. When they started seeing them move and start doing stuff, they knew that was time to start moving. And you can see very clearly what they were to do. The Gershonites were to take care of the skins, 
that covered the tabernacle itself. Remember, they, these are skin, very thin, very flat, very coverings of animal skins that were used to cover over the tents and, uh, of the tabernacle, the cloths, the, the hides, even down to the cords that would probably bring back the curtain certain way and tie a cord around it. Everything was accounted for. Everything was packed by this family. And the curtain that surrounded the outer court even was all their responsibility. So they had all the cloth. They had all the things that go onto those posts and, and furnishings and stuff. They got the outer uh, piece. Now, they're the first one named here. So when you think about putting a tent on, you're going to be the first one taking the outer coverings off. And you're going to be the last one to put the outer coverings back on as you can think about tearing down a tent and picking up a tent. It's a sequence if you want to ponder on that tonight before you go to bed. I'm sure it would be a good thought process. Then we see in 27 through 32 that the senses and duties of the family of Kohath. We see that from Kohath came the family of the Amorites, the family of the, there we go, Arites, the family of the Hebronites, the family of the Uzelites. These were the families of the Kohathites. According to the number of all the males from a month old and above, there were 8,600 keeping charge of the sanctuary. The families of the children of Kohath were to camp on the south side of the tabernacle, and the leader of the father's house of the families of the Kohaths, Kohathites, uh, was Elizaphan, the son of Uzel. The, their duties included the Ark, so they had to take Ark of the Covenant. Woo, that was a that was in a very important role. Now they're getting all these main articles out of the tent, uh, the tabernacle, the ark, the table, the lampstand, the altars, utensils of the sanctuary with which they ministered the screen and all the work related to them. And Eliezer, the son of Aaron, the priest, was to be chief over the leaders of the Levites with oversight of those who kept charge of the sanctuary. So you can see very clearly that Aaron watched this group, the uh, co um, Kohaths, because they came from that brother. Remember, there was a there was a there was a family lineage closeness right here. But they were overseeing everything, keeping charge of the sanctuary and all of those utensils, all of those main things, even the Ark of the Covenant. They were closely watched over and taken care of by Aaron, and then the Levites moved it. But these were the families of it. There was 8,600 uh, 8, males. They're south side. They were camped between Reuben. And the tabernacle themselves, so you can understand that. Obviously, the, Am, the Amorites were, came from Amram, which was the father of Aaron and Moses. So you can see where the tribe comes. So Kohath, then you see the, that uh, Amram was one of the sons. That's where the, who's the father of Aaron and Moses. And we see that uh, in Exodus chapter 6. Um, and we'll also see a mention in chapter 26 of Numbers of that as well, in that, that uh, relationship. But you can see why that was very tight and why they had the responsibility of all the articles within the tent, uh, tabernacle. Very, very important. 
The next one here is 33 through 37. We see uh, Merari and the family here. It says, from Merari came the family of the Mahalalites and the family of the Mushites. These were the families of Merari. And those who were numbered according to the number of all the male of one month and above were 6,200. The leader of the father's house and the families of Merari was Zurel, the son of Abihel. These were the camp on the north side of the tabernacle, and the appointed duty of the children of Merari included the boards of the tabernacle, its bars, its pillars, its sockets, its utensils, and all the work relating to them, and the pillars of the court all around with their sockets, their pegs, and their cords. So 6,200 males, again, not one month old is not going to do a whole lot. So there's a lot of babies. They only have a few adults that could actually do this work. But they were eventually all going to be working in that role here. And they were camping on the north side between Dan and the tabernacle. That's who kind of guarded on that side of the tent. But this family was responsible for all the wooden structure aspects of the tabernacle and those pillars, those boards, and so forth, very important. So there's a sequence and an order and organization, and you just can kind of show up with the skins and the cloth and curtains and not have a trust that this family is going to be with all the wooden structures to put them in place. And it's just amazing uh, logistical thing that they had to go through. It's just amazing when you think about the sequence of stuff. Now the priests themselves, remember, they have their role. They didn't camp with the other three uh, uh, part of the, of the Levite tribes. They had their own. It says, moreover, those who were camped before the tabernacle on the east side, that was in the front of the opening of the tabernacle, before the tabernacle meeting were Moses, Aaron, and his sons, keeping charge of the sanctuary to meet the needs of the children of Israel. But the outsider who came near was to be put to death. All who were numbered of the Levites, whom Moses and Aaron numbered at the commandment of the Lord by their families, and all the males a month old and above, were 22,000 when they made that count. Now we'll see here that the family of Aaron was on the east side, as we know, right in their very opening, closest to the entrance because they were coming and going inside of that tabernacle all day long. And they guarded that opening, of course, to make sure no one got too close and thought they could just boldly go in there uh, and not do it God's way because they would die. Now, God's order and organization extends to certain jobs for certain people to do. The families of the Levites had certain callings they were to fulfill. Again, God gives a calling, and then you're to be faithful to that calling. And there was no one man or family to do everything. It was to have and shared responsibilities because one family, just the priests, Aaron and his sons, could not do everything when it came to the tabernacle and to be able to minister to the people. So God raised up and appointed and, and, and purpose of the rest of the Levite tribe to support the priests to be able to do the, uh, the, the spiritual sacrifices and stuff for the people. The rest had to do the physical work to help keep that going and in and, and an order. And when God moved, there had to be an order that could not just say, I don't feel like doing it this time. 
We've done it the last 20 times. I don't feel like grabbing the skins. I don't feel like taking up the wooden structure. I don't feel like taking the Ark of the Covenant stuff. And I, or you couldn't sit there and say, oh, I think the better job is to go get all the utensils, the lampstand and stuff. That's a much easier job. I don't feel like doing the wooden structures. You didn't know. God had a calling and a purpose, and there was a sign. There was order and organization, and you did not get to go based on your feelings of what you felt like or didn't feel like doing that day. So when God moved, you had to show up. You could not just show up. And, I don't feel like it. You know, I don't feel like getting out of my tent today. <laughs> I've been busy, you know. I've been working hard, you know. No, you, God's moving. You better get there and get your work done. Now, the total of 22,000 Levites given in verse 39 does not tally or totally are not jiggy with the total of individuals or the clans given in verses 22, 28, 34, which comes to about 22,300. Now, it's interesting because we're going to get in here in the last few verses here, verses 40 through 51, when the exchange of the firstborn, and it's kind of cumbersome a little bit. So as we read through this, we'll cover it and hopefully it'll make sense as well. But there's a, a numbering that did. It didn't. It doesn't add up as your some of you analyticals. I, and I know some can, was adding up in their heads and quickly said that doesn't come out to that. And I know that. I, even I was like, that doesn't sound like the numbers adds up. But let me see if we can get through this here and uh, hopefully it makes sense to you analyticals. And then the Lord said to Moses, number of all the firstborn males of the children of Israel from a month old and above and take the number of their names. And you shall take the Levites for me. I am the Lord. Instead of all the firstborn among the children of Israel and the livestock of the, the Levites, instead of the firstborn among the livestock of the children of Israel. So Moses numbered all the firstborn among the children of Israel. As the Lord commanded him, the firstborn. That's what he's, he's, he's counting here, right? So Moses numbered all the firstborn among the children of Israel as the Lord commanded him, and all the firstborn males, according to the number of names from the one month and above, of those who were numbered of them, were 22,273. Now we have a different number. All right? So there was a rounding up at one point, and uh, when they did one count, and and rounding down at another count, and now we have a very specific count here of 273, or 2,273. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Take the Levites instead of all the firstborn among the children of Israel, and the livestock of the Levites instead of their livestock. The Levites shall be mine, I am the Lord, for the redemption of the 273 of the firstborn of the children of Israel who are more than the number of the Levites, you shall take five shekels for each one individually and you shall take them in the currency of the shekel of the sanctuary, the shekel of 20 geras. And you shall give the money with which the excess number of them is redeemed to Aaron and his sons. So Moses took the redemption money from those who were over and above those who were redeemed by the Levites. From the firstborn of the children of Israel, he took the money, the 1,365 shekels, according to the shekel of the sanctuary. And Moses gave them redemption money to Aaron and his sons, according to the word of the Lord, as the Lord commanded Moses. 
So the number all the number all the firstborn males of the children of Israel. So the firstborn, which was always thought to be the best and the favored, always belongs to God. So instead of giving the firstborn of Israel to God in sacrifice, the tribe of Levi was given to God as a place of each of the firstborn sons of Israel. We've got that. Now, all the firstborn males, according to the number of names. As they counted the names, however, there was 22,273 firstborn sons in Israel, and there were only 22,000 Levite males, noted in back in thir- verse 39, there was an extra 273 who were given a monetary value that totaled up to 1,365 shekels. Those were 1,365 two-ounced silver shekels that were given. That's approximately about 170 pounds worth of, se- <laughs> of several thousand dollars of current uh, money of silver, right? And the money was given to the tabernacle for redemption money. Now, the first, the, the redemption of the firstborn sons is low in accounted for of all the nation. It would mean that only one in 27 sons were firstborns, an unlikely percentage, right? So it is more probable that the 22,273 firstborn sons were those born in the 13th months of the Exodus. That's what they believe is why there's a difference in regards to when they did the count and the difference between that count. So the first count would have been at one period of time. Then they would have turned around and done another count. There was a 273 difference because of the counting during the 13 months of the Exodus. That is what many people believe is why there's a difference between those counts. Whatever you believe, it's okay. I just know there's order and there's organization. There is no question, we see in the scripture where there's rounding up of the numbers. There's rounding down on the numbers. There's, there's approximation and there's different counts at different times. We just recognize these things. It's not significant other than the fact that there was enough significance of the difference between what they were counting and what was the possibly, you know, they weren't the first sons, but they were counted because of there were still males. And that difference is, whatever that was, there was still has to have been a redemption money that was given over, and it wasn't a low count of money. That was five shekels for each one of those individuals that needed to be accounted for. Almost a kind of like a flashback when we went through Leviticus and when there was, uh, when something wasn't quite done the right way and if you didn't have the right animal, you could compensate with money to compensate if you didn't have the animal. It's kind of the same thing. There was a sacrifice, a redemption that must have taken place and it was in the form of money to accommodate for uh, the differences in numbers. So that's the best I can come with you. And from my understanding, as I continue to study through the, this aspect, some things are very interesting uh, in the count uh, or different things that come out here. But I guess as we continue here through uh, numbers, we'll see a few more occasions of that where things, uh, the numbers don't line up as they say. But that's why it's the book of numbers, right? No. 
it's uh, it's a, just a fascinating 